Welcome to another episode of The Open Door. Brought to you by Legendary Living Arts and Waking Way Productions. We are your hosts, Kelly. And Kelly. We invite you to walk through the door with us to explore different perspectives on health, wellness, reality, and everything in between. Welcome to The Open Door. Today on the show, we have Barbara Kellen, who writes the kind of stories that she loves to read. Romantic comedies fraught with amusing complications and taut sexual tension between a likable heroine worth rooting for and an alluring hero worth the trouble of falling for. A lifelong storyteller in one form or another, Barb juggles a day job in marketing with her fantasy career as an author. She recently came back from an eight-year hiatus to publish three romance novels and is now working on a fourth with several other ideas in the pipeline. Barb lives in Winnipeg and is happily married to her leading man. Hi, Barb. Thanks, Kelly and Kelly. I'm thrilled to be here. Ah, this is awesome. so So tell us about your latest project. What are you working on? Uh, yeah, I'm working on my fourth book right now. Uh, again, it's a romantic comedy. That's sort of my jam, so to speak. Um, I actually had to write a few notes about what the book is about because, as you know, when you've got a work in progress, it changes all the time. So, um, so in a nutshell, I'm, I'm tentatively calling the book called The Ripening. And uh, it's about a feminist art exhibit that features suggestively sliced fruit hence the name, and it sets off a firestorm in a small conservative community. And where the romance comes in is um, the strong-willed gallery owner is pitted against the town's holy rollers and a hunky new pastor who might be her strongest ally and maybe more. So that's the book I'm working on right now. I'm hoping to have it out. uh, Well, I'll work on it this year. My hope is by the end of the year that one will come out. I just put out another book in uh, January called Deja You. And I'm marketing that one right now. That one's a second chance romance. Um, I'm a big believer in destiny. We can talk about that later. Um, But I love love that theme. So it's a steamy second chance romance uh, that's between a rock star's publicist and a tabloid author who's hired to write the rock star's biography. And there's secrets being hidden and romance being uh, revisited. And it's a whole bunch of great, sexy, steamy, funny stuff. So, yeah. Sounds like fun. It sounds like something I I, it is I haven't read that one. I have read Morning Man and really enjoyed it. That was very funny. And the banter between the hero and the heroine was 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 great. I, I really enjoyed it because I also write some comedy too. So I thought that one was fantastic. And Morning Man is about two radio co-hosts at a country music station. You don't have to love country music to like that story, but exactly. I think everybody's got kind of curiosity about what really happens behind the scenes at a radio station. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I worked at radio for six years, and believe me, there is a lot of characters and a lot of great material at a radio station. So uh, Morning Man was, a like, I love it. I love the characters. I love the setting. I just just my one of my favorite books for sure so oh absolutely and i'm sure from some of the reviews that i've seen you've gotten a lot of great reviews on that book too so i'm sure that readers are enjoying it as well oh good well thanks for saying that yeah it's uh it's really been a lot of fun um we'll talk about it but i've just sort of got back to my writing in the last year or so and i'm finding the second time around is definitely more gratifying and more rewarding so it's great that it's resonating with so many people and I think there's always a space for a book that's enjoyable and funny escapism. <laughs> Those are the kind of books I like to read are romantic comedies for that reason, right? That's so it's got a happily ever after ending and it's really fun to read. So that's the kind of stuff I like to write. 
Yeah, I, I really love that book. I know I'm talking about it only because that, that is the one that I've read right now. And the hero in that book, I really did like him because he really had a heart. And that's something right. that I like in a hero is that he really had a heart and he wanted to see and help people like be, be the best that they could be, even though he sort of had this other persona for radio. And I wondered if you'd worked in radio because of the, the detail, back, yeah, yeah, the detail, the detail yeah. and the background that yeah, you I put into it. I, 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 I haven't, I haven't she must, it. She must I heard either. all about it. I heard all about it. She's like, oh my God, I was all playing. I'm like, yeah. what are you reading? Yeah. And she's like, oh my God, like, read here, yeah. read this. I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, okay, great, nice. Well, you know, yeah. Even if you don't work in radio, I'm sure you can imagine that the people that are on the air have personas, right? The, their, their public has, has a perception of what they're like in real life. Um, and they have an air about them where there's a, a fine line that separates the person from the persona. And I think that's what I wanted to bring out in that character, that he's he's cocky and he's arrogant. And he's like, you know, Mr. Fun Guy. And that's what he wants people to see. But on the other side, he's got a real teddy bear soft side about him. I, I had a, a really good friend who worked in, in radio for years and years and years here in the city. And she would put on like she would put on this persona for being on air or when she had to go out and do events. Like she, she had a specific right. style of how she'd dress, what what she'd wear, her accessories were very specific. So that when she just go out in her sweats and you know, joggers or whatever on a normal day, people wouldn't recognize her. And how she was at home. Yeah was totally different and a couple of times i would you know she asked for like help for me to drive her to an event and i could literally like she'd literally like you know in the car before she get out she'd like psych herself up and like okay it's go time and like you it's know turn it on right yeah like, yeah yeah i'm going there we go sure. okay <laughs> yeah i think a, a bit of it's acting right so but uh but it's it's all fun it's all good and they're always you know everyone i worked with in radio were really good people um and so I, this was a really good chance to explore that kind of that side of uh, what it's like to be a radio personality and <laughs> that they have real lives. <laughs> yeah. Oh, exactly. So. Yeah. No. Yeah. The, the whole thing about people every once in a while, someone, you know, should get recognized and just be because uh, she had such a distinct voice, too. Like that was the thing. And she get recognized right. and, and then she'd be like, oh, my God. OK, let's like let's go. I, I can't, you know, there, there'd be days like where sometimes a lot of people would recognize her and sometimes, you know, it would be like totally innocuous. Yeah. And, but her, her personality at home and, you know, how she just liked to have uh, her personality at home, it, it was, it was completely different than anything yeah. you, you could relate to on, on air. So I totally appreciate that. That's a, it's a great great narrative for for a story oh absolutely and i mean part of it is write what you know right all, all yeah. of my books so far have been related to workplace um settings uh whether it's my own or someone i know that worked in a in, in that setting because it's relatable everybody can relate to meeting somebody at work and and uh you yeah. know all of the the Make fun and the peril that comes along with that yeah 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 it, yeah. yeah it makes it real and, and especially yeah. i know when when i've written from personal experience it really comes across as, as more authentic. And mm -hmm. I find that when I have to try and make stuff up, I got to go yeah. back to like real experiences and, and process oh. how that would actually, you know, be communicated in, in this, this, uh, you know, this event or this storyline that I'm making up. 
Yeah, I really admire authors that can write about fantasy, create fantasy worlds and write about that kind of life. Um, I tend to write really more realistic kind of things with a fantasy kind of spin on it being romance, right? Sure. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, that's why I like, I like writing contemporary too, because it's something that I can relate to. I'm not yeah. the greatest at finding, I, I don't know that I would find well i mean one of the books we're writing is has historical context yeah, yeah, but it's more that oh. his area of expertise because he can find anything in history and he retains it so yeah. i'm sort of like oh i'll concentrate no, on this part yeah. and yeah. you yeah. <laughs> because i'm not sure that i could write authentically a, a historical romance for example but right. i know a lot of great right. authors who can do that yeah I've, so. and I've, I've been a his, history nut my entire life Right, with, with two parents as re, who were researchers, and who okay. both love history too. So it's like, it's just like breathing. It's like, oh, you need to find like details on this. Blah blah blah. How many books you want? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it comes natural to you, right? Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. yeah. So, how long have you been a romance author? Um. Well, funny thing, it's writing story. Writing stories is something I've always done since I was a kid. But getting serious about writing a novel um, didn't really kick in until I was almost forty. <laughs> and I thought this is something I've always wanted to do. It was a bucket list thing. Cool. So I had no idea how to go about writing novels. Reading it is one thing, right? But when you sit down and write, it's a totally different beast. So um, I went to uh, McNally Robinson and took a look through the bookshelves and found a book called um, No Plot, No Problem. And I thought, hey, this is my kind of writing book. <laughs> <laughs> it was by the founder of NaNoWriMo, which is National Novel Writing Month. Um, for those that don't know what that is it's a um, 30-day challenge to write a novel cool so, <laughs> it's daunting but I'm really driven by detail so I thought this is my way to do it so really you have to write a 50,000 word novel in 30 days so it really drives you to make sure you've got you know your word count every day but don't worry about the plot don't worry about any of the principles of writing novels you can go back and revise that later so I thought this is the way I'm going to write a novel and that November I did it um, I set out to do it. I thought, this is great. Now I've done it. Done. Check it off my bucket list. But no, it didn't end there. Um, I was really excited about what I wrote um, and then had to find a way to revise it and rework it and make sure that it was palatable to people other than myself. Um, so the next year, I, that's what I worked on and worked on finding a publisher for it. And the year I turned 40, I had a publisher. Um, and I was so excited. It was great. Um, I was so excited that I wrote a second one. And that's where Morning Man came out of. Um, and nice. yeah. So, um, yeah, so it worked out really great. Um, and so I had a publisher. I had two books coming out. And then the bottom fell out of my writing career when my marriage ended. <laughs> oh. um, it, it all happened that same year. And it was that was it was devastating, and it totally dried up my creative writing juices. Um, so yeah, so <laughs> it's sort of weird how life kind of uh, has its twists and turns. But um, yeah, yeah, I, I had a similar experience. Like I, I've had two sort of major life things like that. One was years ago uh, that I was diagnosed with. Uh, I thought I was pregnant, and I was diagnosed with a tumor instead. And that was like a big wake up call for me. This was, um, oh, she's like 20 years ago. And I thought I'd always wanted to write. And then I was told by someone, well, you'll never make any money at it. And of course, 
way back then, you know, I wanted to be able to support myself as a, as a single person before, you know, and Absolutely. I was like, so, it's like, well, so I put that off to the side thinking like I needed to get a job and like, make sure, you know, my financial security and all that kind of stuff. And then it wasn't until I had that happen to me that I went, am I doing the things in my life that I really want to do? And can I, you know, writing was one of them. So I actually had self-published a book of poetry then. And then that's when I thought, well, I really want to learn how to write a novel, like just to learn how to do it and then and see where it goes. And then I sort of got published around the time that I got a divorce. And that sort of gave me a distraction because I'd gotten a couple of small publishers to publish some of my things. And then I was kind of distracted and I had a place to kind of escape into while you know, going through the process of a divorce. So writing for me at that time sort of helped me get through that part. But I understand like when your world kind of falls apart and then it's like, for me, writing romance was almost a way to put it back together because I could give fictional people the happy ending that I wanted. And then- I think that's a great, I think that's a great point because yeah, I think for me, the problem was especially in those early months, I didn't believe in happily ever after anymore. You know, I'd invest myself in a relationship for 20 years and where was my happy ending? I was blindsided and the rug was pulled out from underneath me. So how can I, how can I fake that for two characters? So I, you know what, it was, it was hard and I tried and even looking back now in the stuff I wrote back then I, I would never I would never use it sometimes it's oh this is golden I, I'm glad I saved it no I'm glad I didn't yeah. publish oh I wrote a lot of stuff where afterwards I went oh this is kind of angry <laughs> this might not be great, you know? yep. but sometimes there's it, a lot of angst in here yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like oh well maybe sure. I won't use that but it was good to get it out <laughs> yeah, I, I used yeah to, absolutely I used to write yeah. all the time as well and when I I was married and when my my relationship my marriage ended it just I stopped because again it was just like that that space that I'd held on to for such a long time was was over so I really didn't know how to relate to it right I think part of it now that I look back it was the divorce fog you guys can probably relate to that Um, you're in, you're sort of in a fog and it's tunnel vision where it's, you're doing what you can to survive. So I had a, I was running my own company. So I had a job. I had two kids at home that were school aged, one of them with autism. Mm. Um, and I was really just focused on what I needed to do to get us through day after day and keep life as normal as possible for them. And my writing just sort of fell by the wayside that I just didn't have the creative energy to do it. So um, yeah. So for that first little bit, I didn't do it. Although I did go to a counselor. Um, I, I resisted counseling for a really long time. I don't know why, but I remember talking to a friend who'd been through a divorce and she actually connected me with the counselor I did eventually go to. But I said, I don't want to waste my time. She's not going to you know, tell me anything. I don't know that I can't read in a self-help book. But it was great in terms of validation that writing is a gift that I have. And it would probably be cathartic for me if I started writing again. And I was telling her, you know, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do this. And she goes, well, maybe there's a different format of writing that you could do that would help yourself. Mm. So I gave it some thought and came up with doing a blog. 
And I thought, even if nobody reads this blog, but me forever, that's fine. But um, I ended up calling, <laughs> I called the blog, I named it after a poem by uh, a poet named Mary Oliver. And she has a quote that says, someone I loved once gave me a box full of darkness. It took me years to understand that this too was a gift. Mm. And that totally changed my attitude around about about writing, about life, about love, looking at what had happened to me as a gift. So I called my blog, This Too Was a Gift. And it really was um, not focused on the bitterness or the anger, but it was really focused on how what I'd been through was a gift. So that, I think that was not only cathartic, but I think it opened my creative pathways again. And it made me more open to, to doing more fictional writing again. And I was happy doing fiction writing. Anyway, so that's that's sort of the path that led me, I think, out of like out of the darkness, <laughs> literally, yeah, is just by embracing that what happened yeah. as a gift, right? Yeah, because it can be so difficult to be in those dark places and oh, yeah. oh sure. wonder if you're gonna ever get out of it. Yeah, and just like, the other, I remember the, that just feeling. getting getting by day to day, just surviving. Just making it through, making it through, making absolutely. It through. And I think I think embracing gratitude was was a big part of it. I mean, you know, this too was a gift. That's a big thing to swallow. You know, we, you've been through so much, and it feels unfair. How can this ever be a gift? What happened to me? But I think you know, looking at you know, it sounds cliche, but you know, one door closes, one door opens. You know, that sort of thing. If you look at it from a point of gratitude, I think it also opened my heart to finding love again. Um, which it did. So I, I did a lot of great things. Just Yay. that that writing exercise. Yay, I know it just that writing exercise just opened up my heart, opened up my head, I think again. So that was great. If I would say that if, if anybody has, you know, a leaning towards doing it, don't worry about if anyone's ever gonna read it. And same thing with writing a book, right? It doesn't matter if anyone's ever gonna read it. You feel good about what you're putting out into the world and eventually it'll find the right audience and the right people will yep. will read it. So read it, yeah. Well, that, and that's really wonderful that you had that, that outlet and that you dared to do that because there's so many times I think where people just think we, or we stop ourselves from doing something because we have those thoughts. Well, who's going to read it? Right. Or how am I going to do this? And we worry about all these things that are sort of in the future rather than, well, I need to write first before I can figure out what to do with it. And right. that's wonderful yeah. that you had someone who said, hey, maybe it would be great for you to get back into it. And Yeah. And even, yeah, just a creative exercise just for myself. I think she she was very wise. <laughs> and so I think she kind of realized that this was going to be the path out for me. Um, so and, and she was absolutely right. It was tough and maybe it was swallowing my ego a little bit, too. But, uh, you know, doing it, I mean, it was perfect for me. So, yeah. And um, so. It, uh, I just turned 50 this year. <laughs> um, and last year, be looking down the barrel of another milestone, just as I had at 40, I was thinking, what would really make me happy? And I was, you know, I needed to do something for me. And it was, ta-da, there it is, get back into writing. So, you know, I was going to say just a little less than 10 years uh, since everything had been halted uh i went back to it again so um yeah i'm thrilled that i'm i'm back into writing again and and uh it's it's been great and you're independently publishing now correct 
I am. The the uh, the publisher that I was working with for my first two books um, was bought by a bigger company. So they gave all the uh, authors the option if they wanted to, to buy back their, or not buy back the rights, but get the rights back. So I've held them for, for quite a few years. So that's been really nice. And I talked to some people, um, including you, Kelly, about um, how to sort of republish your work and, and get back into things. And Kelly was kind enough to connect me with an awesome uh, cover artist. Um, and everything's been, you know, great and very supportive in the writing community among the you know independent authors and uh, and small publishing houses just saying you can do this so it's been really empowering I would say excellent yeah the writing community especially I think the romance community can be so supportive that's where I found like going through my divorce at the time I found a lot of support there just from people who are going through different things in their lives and who encouraged you to get published or you know would encourage you to find cover artists or publishers that resonated with your work and you know without that community being able to find that community that it it made it well it made it a lot less daunting you know that people that are doing it oh there's people that are talking about it oh cool so yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it's been, it's been great finding that support. Uh, for me, it's been mostly finding fellow authors through Instagram. That's sort of my chosen uh, social media platform in mm-hmm. terms of getting my word out and promoting my books. Um, but the group, the writing community, they're so supportive and so wonderful. And uh, uh, it's been really like just great to feel that kind of encouragement and that there's room for a new voice, right? You think, oh, romance novels have been around for decades and it's oversaturated. And, but it's it's really been, everyone's been really welcoming and sort of helping you, you know, make room. There's somebody new here and it's it's been terrific. Yeah, I remember being on a forum once with uh, Eloisa James, the author. She okay. does romances. And I asked her a question once. Um, what was my now I'm trying to answer the question. But the way she answered me was that romance is a huge industry and there are people who read 10 or more books in a week and there's room for everybody's work. And I think yeah. that was something that really inspired me to push past that fear of like, well, is anybody gonna read this? Like, are anybody gonna buy these books? And yeah. she just said, just do it. Yeah, who cares? If you don't do it, you're not going to know if you, if you if you can or if anybody reads it or not. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Put put your put yourself out there. I think that's that's an important thing, right? Um, you know, put your best self out there because you never know who's going to read it. You don't know what doors it's going to open. But if if nobody reads it, I mean, your mom will read it. <laughs> My mom and dad don't want to read mine. <laughs> No, <laughs> because I write, I write er- like erotic romance too. So I know my. You my probably dad, don't want them my reading. Dad it. was like, "I support you. It's just weird <laughs> that I. <laughs> You're my daughter. I don't, you know. <laughs> and yeah. I get that. I get that too. <laughs> but now that my children are older, they've been asking me. They're like, uh, can we read your books?" I'm like, um. I guess, but you might not look at me the same. <laughs> like if you want, yes, yeah, like, like, at your own risk. At your own risk, I guess. You guys are older now. It's not uh, funny. Don't my, these things anymore, but <laughs> yeah, right. My daughter is, is twenty six, and she's married, and uh, she's one of my beta readers because she's she's also a great editor too, right? But oh, I think part of it is like, I can't believe my mom is writing this stuff. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. 
<laughs> so we have a mature relationship as adults now, but you know, yeah. I'm still alone. <laughs> I, I, I feel it was like one of our sort of formative, like initial conversations when, when, um, when Kelly and I first met, mm-hmm. it, it was at a, a, a fundraiser and she read some of her material. And I think she's a little surprised that I actually wanted to talk to her. Cause I was, I was really, you know, I really enjoyed, <laughs> yeah, <it was. laughs> uh, you know, I, I really enjoyed how she did the dialogue yeah. because that was like always one of the things like when I was writing and I was trying to write short stories, that was always one of the things that I had the biggest problem with. Because I'm going like the way I would actually talk to my friends is not exactly the way you're going to like have kind of dialogue in a novel or in a short story. And you got to right. be realistic for that storyline. And well, I mean, also the humor, like, like the, the, the sense of humor. I like weird humor. Like mine are <laughs> yeah. weird. And I was just going. I know you've read a couple of mine. So you're probably like, yeah, <laughs> they're weird. <laughs> <laughs> And and it was just it was just yeah it was a sense of humor that that really made me you know sit up and 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 take notice and go the fact that she was able to articulate such a funny scene and put it in writing yeah. just really impressed the heck out of me and and the dialogue too was just so like it it was funny but it also was done in such a way where it was like you could totally see yourself actually having that kind of a silly conversation. Or that kind of a, a an interaction where it like devolved into like the 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 hilarity that it did. So I was just like going, yeah, wow, like you know. Uh, so that's you know one of the one of the main reasons why I wanted to actually like sit down and talk to her or have an opportunity. And the funny thing is that's about that, right, is that I didn't want to talk to him <laughs> because it was really funny because my daughter was there. I probably wish she had the time. Probably about fourteen. Yeah, and yep. we I myself and two other authors had put on a fundraiser and you came and you came to the table and everybody else, but me (laughs) was like, you should go talk to him. I think he wants to talk to you. And I'm like, what are you guys talking about? Cause I was busy. I was in organization mode. I wasn't, you know, and my daughter was like, I think you should go talk to him. You, you really should go talk to him. And my attitude, cause I wasn't even looking for a relationship or anything and and she's like you should talk so my attitude was like well if he's still here when i'm finished (laughs) and and for me it's like i'll go talk to him this is a few years after this is a few years after i got divorced and i was looking for ways to rekindle my interest in writing or my passion for writing so and and the the fundraiser was literally like a couple blocks from where i worked so you know, that's why I ended there's up a sign there. right there, right? Yeah. 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 So it was, yeah. So it was sort of funny. <laughs> that's how we met yeah. was at a fundraiser. And I, I love, I love hearing how people met. I think it's, it's great. And always gives me ideas in the back of my mind, because when you're writing romance, that's the biggest thing, right? How are your, how are your two main characters going to meet? And it's got to be like fireworks, you know, good or bad right off the bat, right? That sets up the tone yep. for the whole book. So, yep. Yeah. It's kind of why I write write weird comedy because I think that things are weird like life can be weird and we have weird things happen and that is life and so I do write weird, yeah. Yeah, weird really scenarios is. because literally that night I I almost did not give you the time of day <laughs> like, when I like yeah it was kind of one of those yeah, things we ended, we ended up talking course. about the, the menu at the at the cafe yeah we ended up we talked well we Pearls love food and pie yeah and, you know it was yeah and we were talking about food and how well because we both grew up in small towns which I think you did as well, correct? Yeah. Right? Because we correct. went to, well, we didn't, I don't know if we went at the same time, at the same high school. I went to school with your sister. 
right. You guys were just a couple years behind me. Yeah. yeah. So I like eventually we would have gone to the same school, I think. Yeah. yeah. High school, I think. Yeah. 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 So we talked about, and you grew up in a small town. So we yeah. ended up talking about small towns and how sometimes small towns have the best cafes where you find the best homemade stuff. And yeah, because I, 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 I had this great, great true story about my dad. We haven't traveled across like uh, Manitoba, Southern Manitoba and Saskatchewan, Alberta. In, in Ontario for a bit uh, for, for one of his jobs, knew where every little ma and pa coffee pie store was right. in Southern Manitoba, Saskatchewan. And, and the, the punchline is, is like we're, we're driving to uh, Regina to visit family and he decides to like pull off and go on this country road or whatever. And we're all going, what's going on? And then we pull into this farm and there's a sign there. It's like, you know, so and so's, uh, you know, bread and you know, bed and breakfast. And we're like, what? Bed and breakfast cafe or whatever. And it was, it was this nice little sort of like floral design and painted and yeah. walk up and yeah, it's just this big, like massive porch that was part of the dining room or whatever. And and it, the the front room was it was this huge huge living room that had been turned into the cafe. And. Okay. And they serve the best Saskatoon pie. <laughs> like the only, like only my grandma's pie has ever like beat. Like it was just to this day. Like I'm, I'm talking about it, and I'm drooling here. <laughs> and and, my, and they they had. I didn't drink coffee at the time. I was like really really young. My, but my dad, my dad swears to this day that they had the best coffee and the best Saskatoon pie in Saskatchewan and in Manitoba. It's always those out of the way treasures, right? Yeah, yeah. my dad yeah. would know where every little one was. We'd like, we, you know, it's like we go, we go anywhere, and he'd know. Oh, we're just around this corner. We're gonna stop and pick up like these like eclairs or whatever at this little hole in the wall French pastry yeah. shop. And she's like, "What? Okay, how did you know about this?" Yeah, <laughs> and you know what? And it's a good message that when you're driving through these small towns, just stop. Because you never know what you're going to find. It's always going to be rewarding, right? There's always going to be something good, whether it's food or just meeting some new people. Yeah. Um, I, I love visiting small towns or just going for road trips. My my uh, husband now, like he loves driving. So sometimes we'll just jump in the vehicle, well, pre-COVID, but we'll it's just jump in the car good. and go to these small towns, right? And then yeah. um, and you always discover something good. There's things that we've experienced that we talk about years later, like like the pie. Hey, remember that? That was so good. And wow, we have to go back there one day. So, mm. so, so speaking of your leading man, what what is your meat cube story with? If you don't mind sharing that with us. You know, not at all. Um, our meet cute is, is like a lot of modern couples. We did meet online, but um, it is a bit of a meet cute in it in that I went to, um, I, well, I hadn't done any online dating uh, before I got married the first time. I got married at 20. So when I was divorced, uh, separated at 40, um, I had no idea what online dating was all about. So it was like, oh, I had to wade into there because I own my own business and work from home. So I didn't really have a way to meet um, adults that were my age. So we did into that, that dating pool, <laughs> the quagmire that is online mm -hmm. dating. Um, and one day I was getting my hair cut and I was feeling kind of down about the whole thing. Cause the guys I were meeting just was not, you know, doing it for me. So 
She said, you have to try eHarmony. <laughs> Not to do a plug for eHarmony, but that's what she said. She goes, because the quality of people there are great. She goes, it's not like the free dating sites and you kind of get lucky-loos and tire kickers, so to speak. Um, these are people that are really investing themselves in wanting to find a relationship. So I thought, oh, I'll give it a try. First weekend out, I meet my husband. It would happen to be his last week on that site and my first week on that site. So we were just days apart from missing each other. His subscription was running out and he was like, yeah, I haven't really met anybody that really does it for me. I'm going to give online dating a break. Whereas I was just jumping in and we messaged each other and hit it off right away. Um, it was great. And then I think it was about, I don't know, a week, 10 days later that we met for the first time. And uh, we'd been conversing back and forth and I love talking to him. I was going to say, one of my big turn-ons is guys with good grammar. <laughs> and he was very articulate. And he was just as charming and, and funny and sweet in person as he was uh, through his writing. So, um, yeah, it was great. And then from that first date, we were inseparable. Oh, that's wonderful. Look at that, uh, like, divine timing there, hey? like yeah. Totally. Yeah. 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 I'm a big believer in, in uh, I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Serendipity, but I'm like a big believer in like destiny and things are meant to be and timing of things and the universe brings the right people together. So uh, yeah, I really felt that all the stars aligned definitely for us. To me, so. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So yeah. one thing that we we're going to do a little different because you do write romantic comedy, you suggested and had some great questions for doing a little lightning round for us. So Yay. I thought that would be kind of cool. Like with be fun for all of us to yeah, do that. Yeah, all of us to do that. So I don't know who wants to go first with uh, our first one's favorite authors. Who are, We'll let Barbara go first. So sure. who's, who's your favorite author? Um. Uh, I would say I have two main ones. One is uh, an author named Jennifer Cruzy, who uh, she really got me hooked on romantic comedy. She's great. And I love the her backstory is that she wasn't really uh, writing romantic, uh, sorry, romantic novels until her 40s. So she's kind of a late bloomer. And I love that about her. And uh, I fell in love with a book of hers called Bet Me bet me <laughs> and and then i i read her entire series and i love that style and it made me want to write romantic comedy too so definitely her and i would also say nora efron um she wrote sleepless in seattle and when harry met sally and you've got mail uh she was a journalist by trade and then again another late bloomer uh into movies later in life and i love i read everything nora that i can get my hands on i, lo I love her so she's the uh She's the greatest of all time, the goat, in terms of romantic comedy for me, for sure. How about you guys? Cool. Well, my favorite author, favorites go to is Eloisa James. I love, she just writes exquisitely and there's humor and there's heart and just everything. And not only that, I'm just a big fan of her as a person. I've met her a couple of times at conferences and I just, she's so genuine. So she's one of my favorites. And then I know so many authors and I read their books that I, I feel like I can't say anything else because I don't want to miss anyone. I can go on. And then I don't want to miss any favorites. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, for for myself, I mean, yeah, there's a huge list. I, I spent the first 30, 30 years of my life, well, most of the first 30 years of my life being an absolutely voracious reader. I could, you know, read one or two novels a week. And oh. I grew up reading a lot of sci-fi and fantasy. So there's obviously Tolkien, but that has a lot to do with the fact that the historical cultural context, the direct connection to European mythology and everything like that in his stuff 
always fascinated me. Um, Nora Ephron, I'm a huge fan of her work too, like watching Sleep. Oh, yeah. I was like, who is this person? Who wrote this stuff? It's like, what? <laughs> um, one one favorite author, author, Terry Pratchett or Douglas Adams. They're both sort of contemporaries. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Douglas oh, Adams, yeah. Hiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Terry Pratchett, yeah. uh, Good Omens, which they've, you know, Netflix, is it Netflix that picked it up, turned it into a series? Where it's like the uh, end of the end of the world, and you got like you know, or the, it was Crave or something. Yeah, a Crave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, where you got David Tennant playing the devil in it, and uh, it's it's based about the end of the world and just like the humor of this this angel and this demon over the last you know, mille, you know, ten thousand years have been trading off favors, and now it's their job yeah. to deal with the end of the world. And they're like, well, okay. <laughs> and Terry Pratchett's yeah. humor is just you know ridiculous well because neither one of them want to leave earth i think yeah yeah so they're trying to figure out a way to help each other out so they can just stay because they they sort of enjoy humanity yeah but you know the end of the world comes then they both have to go back yeah they're trying to figure out how not yeah so so i love i love the common thread i love the common thread of humor in both right like whether it's fantasy or romance or yeah uh, yeah I mean, you have to have those moments of levity or else it's just a downer. So I think yeah. it's it's great that we all kind of uh, are into things that'll make us laugh, but make, make us, us laugh. think. Yeah. And, and honestly, the, the, thing, the thing about Lord of the Rings that got missed a, to a profound amount in the movies is the humor between Legolas and, and Gimli the Dwarf. Right. In, in the Lord of the Rings, you have, you know, I for, I forget Rice Davies's character as Gimli the Dwarf and and Orlando Bloom's character as Legolas, where you really get to see it at the Battle of Helm's Deep, where they're where they're having this competition, you know, just like not, not to promote violence or anything like that, but they're having this competition about how many you know orcs they're going to kill, right? And then the, at one point they're they're on on the wall of Helm's Deep, and Gimli can't see because he's like, you know, he can't see because the wall's taller than he is, and Legolas goes. You want me to get you a box, you know? <laughs> and and he just like looks up at him, and goes, you know, and laughs, right? But like throughout the entire Lord of the Rings, like at first they're antagonistic because elves and dwarves don't get along, right? And yeah. then their then their friendship develops because they realize, you know, a they, have, they actually have a lot in common and have a lot of the same problems that they're dealing with, and they can empathize with each other. Yeah. And then, you know, you have, you know, Lord of the Rings. So they save each other's lives a few times and they realize, hey, we could actually like be friends. So, but, and then oh, when they sure. become friends, the banter back and forth is ridiculous. And, you know, yeah, the humor, the humor when you, when you're in the middle of like uh, a romantic situation, like, this is one of the things that I really appreciate about Kelly's writing is the simple fact that she is so good at dropping, like even, even in, in real life, in some of our conversations, oh, yeah, in the I... middle of, you know, really serious moments should just be like, boop, bomb. Yeah. Bomb <laughs> I, I tend to like, find the humor even in, well, but that was something too, I think after, you know, not, not to go too long, but after being divorced and I felt so serious too, all the time. Like I felt right. like life had to be serious or something. And so that's yeah. why I love humor. But when I met you, you helped me find the, the humor in oh, yeah, yeah. even well, like, tense situations and then right. help dissolve things and then now like we'll be having a serious conversation and it you know i'll get you know the thoughts that maybe you're not supposed to say but i'll, I'll i get to say them to him because he'll get it but <laughs> and then he just starts laughing and i'm like i think i'm so there's funny there's a time where, where i've like you know because it's the juxtaposition right and this is one of the things that i love oh. about, about humor 
you know, I, I got a background in theater. So I spent years and years and years sort of like learning some of the tools. So I, you know, not necessarily being as, you know, I, when I, when I get comfortable with people, I, I can be like super silly and, and, right. you know, ridiculous. So I appreciate, you know, those who are able to write with humor and to yeah. share. I mean, look at a movie like I was thinking off the top of my head, like Die Hard. Like I love Die Hard, but I think it because yeah. it's those moves, those moments you don't expect him to laugh. It's yeah. like this yeah. is a life and death situation here, right? Yes. But yeah. I mean, on a much movies. lesser scale, going through divorce, if you can't find things or, or or pain or something that you need to to grow from, if you can't laugh, I mean, how else are you going to get through it just to stay sane, right? So yeah. yeah. So speaking of movies, what's your favorite romantic movie? Um, hard not to pick a Nora movie. You've got mail is up there. Um, I just recently saw Moonstruck too. I love Moonstruck. To me, that's when you see a movie and it's like, oh, I wish I had written that. Um, Moonstruck with Cher and Nicolas Cage. Yeah. To me, that's yeah, yeah. Seamless. It's like watching a play. You forget that you're watching a movie. I love that movie. And I also love Something's Gotta Give with uh, Jack Nicholson and Diane Keaton. I'm a big Diane Keaton fan. Again, another movie I wish I'd written. It's just the perfect story to me. Seamless. And yeah, it's those are my three top favorite movies for sure of all time. Cool. Yeah. How about you? Oh, Moonstruck is, yeah, like Moonstruck is, is one of my all-time favorites. It's one of the first uh, ro- romantic comedies I ever watched when I was younger. And Oh, yeah. And I was, you know, blessed to have an uncle who was like, oh, you got to sit down and watch this movie. It's great. And I was like, uh, yeah. is this a lover romance movie? What are, you, what are we doing? No, 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 no. Watch, watch, just watch. It's great. And yeah. um, Mystic Pizza. Oh, I love it. Mystic yeah. Pizza. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that that was a tearjerker for me. There's like so many good moments, so many real moments, and a piece of shock. And so many intersecting stories. I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, gosh, uh, another would be um, the Lake House. Oh, Keanu and Sandra. Yep, that was yeah. such a, a a twist on the whole concept, and with the time bending and stuff like that. I was just like. Wow, what a what a unique way to convey like the tension and and the ache and the desire for someone and to have that sort of like, you know, how do you figure out to be in the same place at the same time? Yeah. Like, and what's unique is they actually spend most of the movie apart. Yeah, yeah, I know. They, they, I know. they just, write to each other, they're rarely together, right? So no, it's I love that movie too. Yeah. Very clever. Favorite, I think it's called The Holiday. I just watched it with Natasha. I think I have the title right. Okay. It's the one yes. Cameron Diaz and Jude Law and Kate Winslet, Jack Black, and the, the two female characters switch houses. Oh, like they travel oh, across oh, like oh. to different continents right. like to stay in each other's houses. Yeah, you were telling me about yeah, that. Yeah, and I shared it. My daughter just had surgery, so on when she was recovering, we watched it together. And it was so cool to share one of my favorite movies with her just because I love the characters. I love how they grow, too. Yes. And they and yeah. it's funny and it's really touching and there's so much going on in that movie, but it's so well put together. It's yeah, just- exactly. And it's not necessarily just strictly romance. Like if you think of the Kate Winslet storyline, she's helping her elderly neighbor yeah. um, prepare yeah. for a big milestone in his life. Right? The romance yeah. is secondary on that one. So I yeah, I love all the layers of of the holiday for sure. That's mm-hmm. a great one. Yeah. So another question. Yeah. Yes, it's fun. So. I almost feel like me answering this question is like romance blasphemy, but Bridgerton. 
because I'll answer this oh. first. I haven't read the series and I haven't watched the, the Netflix either yet, but I'm always slow to jump. Like, cause when I'm already watching series on Netflix, I'm a little slow to like get into another one until I finish something. So yeah. I don't feel like saying that's like blasphemy because so much in the romance community is like, is talking talk about, about it Bridgerton. and they're watching it over and over again. So how about yourself? Have you watched it or read the series? I no, I haven't read it, but I watched it just because of the hype, which is always kind of a dangerous thing. I don't like watching something just because people are talking about it. Although um, Queen's Gambit had a lot of hype and we totally fell in love with that one. That was the chess one on Netflix. That was great. Yeah, but Bridgerton, yeah. my husband and I watch it together um, because we just, we, we like discovering new things together, new series and things like that. It took us a little while to get into it, a couple of episodes, but once we did, we loved it. I would highly recommend watching it. It was great. Um, and now there's a second one coming out and stuff. I'm not like on the edge of my seat, but I'll definitely watch it, I think. So yeah, it was clever. Um, interesting character studies aside from the main characters. Um, and of course, it's beautiful to watch a period piece where all, all the dresses and the costumes yeah, and stuff are amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always, yeah. always. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, uh, you guys have to give it a try. Cool. Okay. And yeah, I, I, I keep it on my list. No idea. No clue. <laughs> I've seen it advertised. I've seen some of the hype, and I have not read anything about it. I have, I'm oh. like in the dark. Yeah. Yeah. Give it a try. It's 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 different because it's Shonda Rhimes and she knows how to. She's a, she's a storyteller of, of mm -hmm. storytellers, right? Okay. Okay. So uh, it's it's beautiful to watch and it's interesting from um, from a writing perspective too. Yeah. Cool. All right. Cool. Uh, it sounds like it's worth checking out for sure. Yeah. Guilty pleasures. Barbara, go first. Let's make let's make Kelly go first. I was gonna <laughs> um, me or Kelly. Okay, you Wait, go which first. one? Which, which one? one? Okay, mine. I'll say mine. Mine would be chocolate and chips. I those are my two, like food things. Like those are yeah yeah yeah. Um, guilty pleasures. Yeah, definitely chocolate and toast with butter on it. Because I I have um, something simple. Oh, that that sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, it is a guilty pleasure. I do not have, I do not eat or toast much or much bread. Part of it is just being being a personal trainer, but also um, the way my gut responds to it now. Oh yeah, I had I had candida when I was a teenager, so yeast overgrowth in the gut feeds off Ooh. of uh, you know easy, simple carbs. So I have to be really really careful. But oh yeah, there's nothing like I grew up you know, being able to have my grandma's like handmade, homemade, like rich, thick, dense brown bread toasted with butter. You know, so when, when I was a kid, it was hand churned butter, homemade butter. Oh, so real deal. Yeah. yeah. Like there's. <laughs> yeah. See, yeah. <laughs> just like, Oh my God. Just there's about there's it. something so, yeah. There's something so nostalgic about just, toast and butter for me right it is like in in some ways it's better than chocolate nice i think for me um well i'm totally on the chip wagon i don't think i've ever met a ripple chip of any flavor i that's yeah 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 i um Guilty pleasures. I, I think uh, 80s music. I still love 80s music. Um, I discovered there's a there's a channel on Sting called Stingray Retro, and all it is is videos from 80s and 90s. 
Um, And I have it on when I'm actually writing. I find that I guess it soothes my brain or something like that. Um, So, yeah, I'm I'm a sucker for 80s, 90s music. Right on. on. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I kind of am too. Totally, yeah. Totally second that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, who wants to answer this one first? Worst first date. I, I can go first. I don't think I've ever had one. And I'll say that because I've only dated like three people in my entire life. So Mm. it's like when I actually went out with people, it was because I sort of knew them already and it was okay. I don't think, I think. Yeah, you have a good picture of that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, or I can remember being on a date with my ex-husband, like when we met and it wasn't bad. It was a really good date. It was just that I was really nervous. So if anything, I was like, like I was super nervous then. But it wasn't bad, so I can't really say that I've had a worst. Hmm. I online dating gives you like a lot of good, good writing materials. I said I don't. I don't think I had a really, really like a nightmarish bad date. But I had weird dates. Like I had a like a weird thing where there was the only guys I've met were named Kevin. <laughs> so I dated like just the one first dates with like three Kevins in a row. It was very odd. Um, but one of them was, <laughs> he always wanted to take my picture. <laughs> we went, yeah, we went to the art gallery. I remember, I don't know why we went to art gallery and then like lunch or brunch or something like that. But he constantly wanted to take my picture during this date and made me very uncomfortable. It was very you, odd. Uh, like photographer. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm- that yeah, is, it was, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, it was, it kinda, I don't like my picture the best of times, but I didn't even know this guy. It was, ooh, it was odd. Well, and then your brain, like, kind of, like, mine would, because mine would go, like, well, what's he going to do with that picture? Do you end up on a wall? <laughs> yeah, yeah, is there a That's when you know you've watched wall. a lot of episodes <laughs> or documentaries or something. Yeah, too, too many cop shows. <laughs> oh, to... Yeah, totally, totally. Yikes. So, yeah, I, I didn't see him after that. Ah. <laughs> no doubt. No yeah. doubt. Uh, gosh, <laughs> first date. Worst first date. I have had a lot of awful dates. I've done a lot of dating. I'm sorry, I shouldn't laugh. That's not nice. Um, <laughs> they, some, were, some were just awkward where, like, you know, you when you suddenly realize you're a- actually with someone who's super uh, introverted and hasn't been out in public with someone yeah. in a while and she's like okay it's, um and i've had others that just went off the deep end in like the crazy town so fast <laughs> we're just like all right um whoa you know how do i get out of like where i'm honestly sitting there going how how soon can i leave how can i get out of you know um there there is one where uh someone you know came to one of my classes and um huge you know a huge crush on me and it's you know it's sort of pretty obvious you know when someone's talking to you after about the first five minutes where you're sitting there going oh whoops okay all right keep a straight face we're we're in you know almost like you know stranger danger stranger danger oh dear um (laughs) And then, then it's see now. I'm kind of glad I'm like <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> limited experiences over here. When, when I was in university, I, I went on a lot of dates, you know, and all of them, you know, would generally like you know, 
we, we end up dating, you know, in your circle of friends and you go out. It's like, right. so yeah, you know, I think we're just going to be friends. So I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. Right. And of course, you know, when, you know, for me, I ended up having a, a group of, of, of women that I dated in, in, in university and then just ended up friends with. And when they all realized they all knew each other and it's like, Hey, we need a designated oh. driver. <laughs> <laughs> and you became so, that. And then, you know, I've, I've had, that you know, going then or yeah, it's just or like, whatever. well, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Um, I don't know if uh, this is kind of ties back into guilty pleasures again, but I don't know if you guys have watched reality TV at all, but my husband and I totally love watching dating reality shows. Um, <laughs> I never watched the bachelor before I met him. He actually got me hooked on it. So cause no just because we're like, no we're like making fun of those sort of things. But our, <laughs> our latest one we watch is on E network. It's called dating, no filter. And it's first awkward dates where they stop and they make comments like there's commentators talking about the date while the date's going on. I've seen that. <clears throat> yep. Oh man. Yep. It's so addicting to watch these shows. Hilarious because it's like, we've all been on those awkward first dates. And now there's like, they're saying that these commentators are saying the things that we're all thinking, but there's things that happen. Like people get up and go to the bathroom and then don't come back on the date. And it's like, Oh man, does that happen in real life? I guess it does. So it's very weird people study for sure, but we love those shows. I've I've actually no had kidding. that happen to me where I I basically oh. um, said something on a, on a first date where I I did not realize how um, religiously conservative the young woman I was sitting across from was, mm. and I you know said you know and I I grew up with you know grandfather as a minister right so I'm usually fairly sensitive to that but there like are like extremes of you know conservatism with like the religious mindset and you know I I said something flipping like I was tired at the end of the day and I said something like you know about you know Jesus being my dude and (laughs) triggered her oh no triggered her he's like oh I need to go to the bathroom it's like and she never came back I was just going (gasps) oh wow there's way worse things to say than that, I would think. My goodness. You know, it's, yeah, right? And it was just, I was just going, okay, oh, wait. And goodness. I was like sitting there and after about like 20 minutes, I went went back. It's like, oh, right. The look on her face after, I'm like, oh, come on. It's like a tired brain, right? Okay, note to self. <laughs> you know? Oh, dear. So, you next. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you know, it's it's, I don't know. In university, I developed a uh, you know a really thick skin, and it was just sort of like yeah. Also, you have to yeah. Um, yeah, I just you know I never really sort of found anyone in in university, and I also wanted to like make sure I didn't end up with you know a family in university. The way all you know there were there were women who were going around the dating pool who were looking specifically to you know have babies have babies. Oh boy! Yeah. Looking for donors. Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, all right. Um, I feel so. Fun. I feel so sheltered now. I'm like, I, I think know, I'm right because I was scared. <laughs> like all those things. Yeah. Oh, well, well, for me, it's just like yeah. up, up until I moved into the city, I had it's like, oh, I gotta, I gotta drive out to the country. It's like I got, I gotta go, you know, because I lived out in the country. So yeah, it, it was, it was a great sort of go. buffer. It's just like if people couldn't handle that, then it was just like, okay. Yeah. I was like, thanks, University. You know? <laughs> All right. So before we finish, one last question. Fictional heroes, what are the traits that you like in a fictional hero, whether it's a physical trait or an emotional one? Mm. 
I really, you know what? Some people really go for the alpha male type heroes and I do not. I like a hero that has heart to him. Like we talked about Morning Man and, and mm-hmm. Tack Collins in, in Morning Man is definitely like that. He's got sort of the harder exterior, but he's the teddy bear inside. Um, I'm married to a teddy bear inside. So I guess that's the kind of guy I gravitate towards. Yeah. I mean, in terms of physical, I like, I like beards. I like short hair. Um, so that's what I tend to write, but I wouldn't say no, if somebody else had a different type, um, I would definitely still read and embrace that kind of character, but I guess it's like writing what you know, and when it comes to heroes, I write what I like. (laughs) I have to sort of be attracted to him while I'm in his head, I guess, and writing about him and writing for him. So how about you? Yeah. Well, I thought about that question and I thought, well, physically there's... I like clean cut, but I like dark hair. I like blonde hair. I also like bald. I like a beard. I like scruff. I like, so it just depends. I think for me, it's the, it's more of the care of the personality. So if they're funny or, you know, they could have long hair too. I don't, you know, it doesn't matter. Like guys, I I can think of all these actors that I like and I'm like, oh, I don't really have a a type, physical type per se. Although I do like people that, you know, exercise, take care of themselves and that kind of thing. But I think it's really their personality. Like, are they funny or do they have a heart? Like they might be a sort of alpha, but, you know, can they also just soften themselves a little bit depending on the situation? Are they caring? That kind of thing. Yeah, I thought, I think about that. I was like, I just, I, I like a lot of, because last night we were watching a TV show. And I'm like, oh, the hot guy show. <laughs> but it's, <laughs> because I'm it's going, like, mm, it's, yeah. it's really like all the, that's, all oh, the, that's what you're looking at. Yeah, I, I know all, what I'm looking yeah, at. I know. And then you're looking at the females, I'm sure. But it was, but it's like, there's this diverse cast and, and all the males are different, but I'm like, they're all attractive. Like, and I'm like, yeah, they, they are I just all, like them all. It's, we're, 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 yeah, we're talking about FBI <laughs> so, most wanted. Yeah, I like oh, Julian McMahon. Yeah, he's one of my favorite actors. And then there's a couple other guys in that show, which I don't know the actor, their names, but mm-hmm. it's just like, wow, there's like, yeah, they do a really good job. Like I'm, I'm actually impressed <laughs> as as a male, as a male, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll sort of like get on get on this bandwagon here. As, as a male, I like male characters that are strong, but that have that. That soft, gentle side to themselves. Yeah. Like, and yeah, that's one of the reasons why I like watching FBI Most Wanted is because the main character has this daughter where like there's always this this part of the the story has to do mm-hmm. with him communicating and, and showing his daughter how much he loves her. And I'm going, I love that. Right. Yeah. I love yeah. That. You know, and a sense of and a sense of humor again, going back to the yeah. humor, like I like my guys to be like witty and clever and sarcastic sometimes. Um, and it has to be funny, you know, they have to be able to make each other laugh in order for the sparks to fly, I yep. think. And, yep. um, you know, I think about like, you know, Kelly, you mentioned movie stars and things, and, you know, in the, like there's the Tom Cruises and Brad Pitt's out there. They don't really do anything for me, but give me a funny guy and I'll be like, okay, I'm, I'm down for that. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Humor. Yeah. Yeah. Sense of humor has got to, got to be there. Um, regardless of, how strong or physically attractive someone is, you know, the right. sarcasm, because a sense of humor is a real way to also have someone demonstrate how intelligent and smart they are because oh, it, yeah. know, the, the humor has everything to do with timing and, and depth of understanding of what you're actually talking about. Right. And you got to get turned on between your ears before anywhere else. Right. Yep. True. 
Yeah, very true. Definitely important trait for sure. Absolutely. Well, thank you for joining us today. It's been really fun talking with you and and sharing. Thanks, you guys. It's been a pleasure. I loved it. It flew by. Good. Well, (laughs) then, you know, in a few more months or next year, if you've got something else, we'll we'll love to have you back. Well, that's great. I would love to. Awesome. Fantastic. All right. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Barb. Thanks, guys. Thank you for joining us today on The Open Door. We have enjoyed our discussion and hope you have too. Until next time, we're Kelly. And Kelly.